Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Lynch. Uh, He is a financial planner and author of a new book called Keep It Simple, Make It Big. Uh, He is based in uh, Shelton, Connecticut. Welcome to the show, Michael. Well, it's good to be here, Jordan. Great to be here. Just give us a little bit of your background and how you came to writing this book in the first place. All right. Well, that's good. I've been a practicing financial advisor now, financial planner, fee-based really for almost 20 years. And uh, prior to that, believe it or not, I was a um, magazine writer, and prior to that, I worked at a think tank. And so I did a call-in radio show for 10 years, for example, and did a lot of media. So I've always liked writing, and I've always enjoyed um, expressing my ideas in print and, of course, in the new media as well now. And so this book came about because I was teaching classes at corporations, uh, mostly at corporations, eight-hour classes from Soup to Nuts Financial Planning. And I initially created it, believe it or not, back in 2004, as sort of a broad overview into the topic. And for technical reasons, it didn't get over the uh, hump at that point, mostly having to do with copyright and the fact that a company that I uh, was associated with said they had to own it if the lawyers approved it. I'm like, no way. And so I pulled it back off the shelf a couple years ago. I said, it's pretty good. And I turned it out of a PowerPoint uh, format into a book format. So people think of personal finance, and in many cases they think it's overwhelming. There's so many decisions to make. They don't know the right thing to do. There's tax issues. There's investments. Um, just a lot of different things that people have to figure out. How can you say all of this should be simple? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. well, the fundamentals are simple, and then it gets really complicated really quick. And, of course, that is the good part, and so you've got to bring it back to simplicity on that far side of the complexity. What I will say is simple is get going as soon as you can. Uh, invest your money in something that is very diversified, has a possibility to grow. Uh, pay as little as taxes as possible along the way, because if you want to give more away, you can just give it to charity, I guess. And then be sure to use your money, not just, you know, the richest person in the in the graveyard doesn't really get any awards, so uh, be sure to use the money. So, But I will tell you, Jordan, that is a point. For me, it's simple. And as I kept going through this book, it kept dawning on me that it's actually not that simple. And so when you read the book, I say, well, I like the title, Keep It Simple, Make It Big. It's very hard to pay it off. But we do have simple ideas throughout the books that help people pull back from the complexity to the simplicity, to the simplicity. What, what do you mean by make it big? Well, that's good. You know, the, where the quote comes from <laughs> is, uh, as we're talking on break, it comes from a client of mine who told me Jerry Garcia said that. He keep it simple, make it big. And they kind of did, right? Uh, other person, maybe a little different side of music, uh, ZZ Top, three chords, three dudes, three buses. They kept it simple. They made it big, too, ACDC. So what I mean by big is what's big in your life? See, some people just want to accumulate money. And if you want to accumulate money, that's fine. But that's not most people. Most people, what big means is that they're able to finance the life that they want to finance and not have to spend a lot of time worrying about how they're going to pay to do the things that they want to do. And I think as we go through life, a big life is one where we have meaningful impact on the people we love, on the communities in which we live, and we get to do the things we want to do with the people with whom we want to do them. For some people, that requires money. You know, like, I like to fish. Boat isn't cheap. You got to get out there. It's nice to have the money. I like to travel. 
So that requires money. It's nice to be able to, you know, buy the air tickets and, and to pay for the resorts and not, you know, be able to afford it without having to take a home equity line of credit or something like that. But I can play the devil's advocate on the other side as well. You know, I've hitchhiked around Mexico and read books from the library. So you can also do this stuff at lower cost if you want. So I think big is really what a person defines as their big life. And what I do think, Jordan, is that people don't ask the question enough. What do I want to do and how soon can I do it? And so a lot of people just don't, they don't go big enough early enough and then it's too late. You say the first step is to bypass the roadblocks to success and you have several roadblocks, the first one being taxes. Uh, what, what is a simple way for people, because it seems lately uh, the standard deduction is now affecting like 80, 90, 90. There's a lot fewer some ways that people can avoid taxes that they may not be aware of. I think the most important thing is understand where you are in relationship to this very progressive tax code that we have. And so a classic example of that, I like to work Jordan, with people that are just getting started. Uh, I was 32 when I got in. I worked a lot of 20s and 30s. I still do now that the kids and grandkids of my clients. And so when, you, when you're young and you're starting out, your taxes actually aren't your problem. You're not going to pay that much in taxes because of the progressive nature of the tax code. That's the time you want to really fund tax-me-never-again assets, like Roth IRAs, if they keep the rules, health savings accounts, almost always if the health insurance works. So early on in our career, we don't mind paying some voluntary tax because we're going to avoid a lot bigger tax. We expect to avoid a lot bigger tax later. As we move through our career, well, then what do we want to do? If we're earning more, paying more, it's harder not to just really take and, 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 and take those pre-tax deductions on the 401k. So that's a big place that people can really move the needle in their financial lives, is understanding where they are in relationship to this tax code, understand not only what marginal tax bracket they're in, are they paying at a 10% rate, a 12% rate, a 22% rate, but really what's the average tax drag on, on, uh, on, on their money, and if they can keep that money growing tax-free, uh, the longer they can do that, the better off they're going to be. A lot bigger pile. A lot bigger pile for later. Do you think people should plan on taxes going up or staying about the same going forward? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We have this conversation every day, about five times a day with my clients. It's the end of the year. I'm doing a lot of Roth IRA conversion planning this year. A lot of my clients that are middle class, believe it or not, you end up having to pay more for Medicare if your income's over $85,000 or eighty-seven. Not very high. So we have to avoid this constantly. And most of the people that I talk to expect that the federal rates will go up, independent sort of a policies. You know what? I'm old enough to remember the Reagan tax cuts, uh, 51, so I was around for that. And back then, what did they do? They took away the loopholes, and they flattened out the brackets, lowered the brackets, made them flat wide, and it was nice. But then what do the politicians on both sides do? They tick them up slowly, Right tick them up slowly. So I would expect these brackets to get ticked up. One of the interesting places, and, and, and I don't know how soon, right? I don't know how soon, but over time, you know, a horizon for me is 10, 15, 20 years, not necessarily one or two years. So yes, I do think that tax planning for it to be higher in the future is sort of a, is a prudent move. The second thing I will tell you, though, is I'm talking to you from the Northeast. So I live in a pretty high tax state. And uh, income taxes, sales taxes, car taxes, you want to, you know, go to the grocery store tax. I mean, if you really think 
about the percent of your income that actually goes to taxes. I, I've, I've tried to calculate it. It's got to be 60, 70, 80 percent by the time you figure out everything that you buy, right, versus everything that's going to the government off of this stuff. So a lot of my clients can move. They can control taxes in retirement by simply moving. And, and there still is competition among the states for retirees and taxation. And so, so that's another area that we do a lot of planning on for people. Are you going to stay put? If you're going to stay put, we kind of know what it looks like. If you're going to move, then we might want to defer some more taxes now and plan on doing, you know, taking some Roth conversions and some more advanced strategies after, after you move. So it really does need to be customized. It really does. Your next roadblock is not saving enough and spending too much. How do you reverse that so you save more and spend less? Well, you know, I'm not a, a lot of people say, oh, don't go out, get a cup of coffee, you know, you don't, don't buy the Starbucks or the Dunkin' Donuts, whichever your preference is. I like to think of it more simply as save 10%, you'll always be, you'll never be poor, save and invest 20%, and you'll always be wealthy. So I'm of the uh, take it off the top uh, school, you know, I want to know what your expenses are, maybe. Uh, in retirement, I think it's important to know what you are going to spend because expenses drive your life in retirement. But if you can get going on a 10% wedge between your income and everything else, and you're able to do that in your 20s, there's no stopping you in your 50s and 60s. You'll be so financially independent due to the compounding, provided you put it somewhere. So I just think get going and, uh, and just drive that wedge. And it becomes a habit. I mean, I don't know. Some people are naturally spenders, and some people are naturally savers, and a lot of us are kind of in the middle. And But once we get in that habit of the automatic saving, the automatic contribution, which is really great about the 401K revolution. They're maligned. I think they're way better than pensions. Um, they, uh, that, they just, it makes it easy and simple and, and automatic. So the, the people, people out there right now really have every tool available to, to, to make it big. Your third roadblock is the corrosive effects of inflation. I mean, people say there is no inflation today, and people don't have to worry about inflation whatsoever. So that's a problem that seems to have disappeared. Is that not right? It's actually not right. There's a great graph out there, and if people Google the AEI inflation graph, what you're going to see is a real dispersion. Some things have gone up a lot, college education, health care, utilities. Some things have gone up decently wages, and some things have really fallen in price, TVs, electronics, and stuff like that. And the basic, the basic reason or the thread between them is whether or not a person's buying U.S. labor. Right? Stuff that's denominated in U.S. labor has gone more up in price, and when we're importing stuff, we're importing foreign labor, better or worse, the stuff is getting cheaper and cheaper. And then, of course, some just efficiencies with design and stuff with electronics, but a lot of that's an import issue as well. So even at 2% inflation, even at 2% inflation, the dollar becomes 50 cents over um, 32 years. Our government is, is committed to 2% inflation. They want to get more. The Fed's recently announced that they'll average it over time. So in a year that's zero, presumably they get to tolerate a year that's four to make it up. And so I don't think inflation is, um, I don't think inflation is, is, is going to be dead. I do think that, again, irrespective of ideology, most ideology, most mainstream ideology and political party, that nobody wants to return to the 19th. 70s and hyperinflation. So, but it doesn't take hyperinflation 
to really hurt hurt the return on money and the real spending power of it. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Michael Lynch. He's the author of a new book called Keep It Simple, Make It Big, Money Management for a Meaningful Life. You can find out more about it at his website, which is simpleandbig.com. We'll be back after this. The way we're working together seems to have changed dramatically this year because of the pandemic. If there's one thing we've learned for adapting business, it must have access to the right resources. And it's crucial to have a strong digital presence, just like all the big companies do. So how can your business adapt to the unexpected and operate virtually? One key is to find the right talent quickly and easily. Before Fiverr came along, it's been time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive to find the best people capable of doing the jobs you need done. Fiverr offers an online marketplace which connects businesses like yours with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services. That includes graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, voiceovers, and much more. I've used Fiverr several times and have been very pleased with the people it's matched me with. I hired a photographer in New York who took pictures that I'm using on my website. I found a web designer in Pakistan who designed a website that I launched. I located somebody in Massachusetts to do a voiceover for a campaign that I launched. It's really amazing what talent I've found on Fiverr in all of these areas. Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent can help you if you're launching your first business to grow or to grow your existing business. They can help you transform your business from a brick-and-mortar local operation into a digital global one. Fiverr makes it easy to customize your search by service, deadline, price, or seller reviews. You know exactly what you're paying for up front. No negotiating needed at all. You always pay by the project, not on an hourly basis. Fiverr offers 24 by 7 customer service to answer any questions you have about using the service. Their network of quality freelancers has worked with most of the influential brands in the world, including Netflix, PayPal, and Microsoft. Their freelancers are ready when you are so they can accommodate the ebb and flow of your business. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code ANSWERS. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code ANSWERS. Again, that's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code ANSWERS. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, 
philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Lynch. He's the author of a new book called Keep It Simple, Make It Big. Uh, He's a financial planner based in Connecticut. He's got a website to find out more, which is simpleandbig.com. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Well, it's good to be back. We were talking about the various roadblocks, and then you have what you call the three Ds, which is disability, death, and divorce. Kind of pleasant subjects here. But uh, (laughs) how can people deal with these things? Because these are things people don't like to think about at all. Absolutely right. And, you know, the one I I think that will trip people up the most is, um, you know, dying is cheap. And dying is definitely going to be a problem if there's anybody that who is dependent on you uh, uh, for income. And that's one that's solved, I think, quite logically and simply uh, with appropriate amounts of of affordable life insurance, typically term that covers your earning years to build up the assets. The one I find that people neglect that is so critical is a disability insurance, is a disability insurance. And, you know, I have clients on claim, and disability insurance is keeping them in their houses, keeping them in their worlds, paying their bills, and it's unbelievable. So when I'm working with somebody, I I, I do two things. The first one, though, would be, like, consider yourself a money machine. You had a money machine in your basement printing out your salary, say $50,000. What would you insure that money machine for? Would you insure it? I think the answer would be yes. Would you service it? I think that would be yes. Would you be nice to it? I think the answer would be yes. And that's you. That's your spouse. And so I'm always encouraging people to buy it. You get insurance because you love somebody or you owe somebody. And with the disability, it can really, really, really impact negatively on a long-term financial plan. And it's not just physical ones. It's cancer. It's multiple sclerosis. It's, all, it's MS. It's all types of stuff that can come out of the blue. You know, interestingly, health costs get the big, get the big, um, get the big rap. You know, you, you, you probably heard of the statistic of, of all the uh, bankruptcies that are caused by uh, medical bills. Right? Yes. And yes. I, I, I've always had a good sort of um, nose BS detector, so to speak, and I knew that couldn't be true. And so I dug into it. And the study that's, that's behind that, that's widely cited, says that if, if a person goes bankrupt and they have any medical debt, so I could have a $1,000 doctor bill, I could have a car student loan for 100000 a car loan for thirty, a mortgage for 400000 they could say that that was a medical-induced bankruptcy, any medical debt, right? So what I actually believe is the problem is people don't have disability insurance. <laughs> Yeah. Because they've gotten sick, they've lost their job, because they're sick, they can't work, 
And it's the medical bill is just one of a lot of bills that they need to pay. And so the solution to that is certainly to have health insurance. I'm not saying we don't need health insurance. Of course we do. But the disability insurance, it's a tough one. People don't like to, people do not like to spend the money on it. They do not like to purchase it. Uh, but I'm always encouraging people to make sure you get it through your employer, get as much as you possibly can, because if you need it, boy, it will save your bacon. So a lot of companies offer short-term disability coverage. Some even do long-term disability. You're talking more about long-term disability coverage that you would do on your own in addition to whatever your employer might offer. Is that correct? Yes, a lot of the big, so, so short-term disability is important, but a lot of times we're going to have a cash reserve for that. We can get through a three, six-month type of period, you know? And what I'm more concerned about with the people with whom I work, and personally myself, would be what if I'm out for one year, two years, three years, right? What would the financial consequences of that be? Because it's just not efficient to save that much money. And, in fact, you just can't save that much money early in your career. It's just, it's just impossible. So for that, I find a lot of the large employers offer good disability through work. Now, an issue with it is, is two things. First, it's taxable if they pay for it, so it's going to come in as taxable income. And typically, it'll cover between 40 to 60% of income taxable. So in cases where that's enough, great. Cases where it's not enough, or if they offer you the option to pay for it, I always encourage people to pay for it because now the benefit's tax-free. And in some cases, what we do is we'd buy a private plan to go on top of that benefit to get as close to uh, 100% as you can get. The insurance industry will not insure up to 100% of your income because otherwise you'd have too much of an incentive to to get disabled, and that would not be good. Yeah. So anyway, I, that's one I just find people just don't like don't like to think about it, don't like to do it, and um, and it's it's a hard, so we do have ways where we reframe the topic. The money machine is one way. Another way is to just compare, take a look at, call it job A, job B. Take a look at two different, two different income streams. Which one would you prefer? Yeah. So specifically right now with so many people getting sick from COVID, if you get sick from COVID, would that be covered by a disability insurance policy? So if you were sick on short-term disability, I, it's going to depend. One of the answers would depend on the terms of the policy because they are contracts, okay? So it'll, the, the, what's in that contract is going to be what's covered. Nobody wants to read anything. I hope they could read my book. hope they could read stuff, but read the insurance contract. I recently got my disability policy out and I read it cover to cover. Why? Well, I want to know what it covers and what it doesn't. On long-term disability, long-term disability typically has an elimination period of 90 days to 180 days. And then after that, it will it, the benefits would be triggered. So presumably, on some long-term, if there were some long-term effects of COVID with some people, yes, those policies would pay. If in general, seems ha- unable to work. Yep. In general, the whole COVID crisis kind of hit people not really being prepared. What are some other areas that people are being affected by the whole COVID uh, pandemic that are not prepared for? I assume a lot of people don't have enough life insurance. We've had over 300,000 people die. What are some other areas that people have been caught short uh, by the COVID pandemic? Uh, you know, that's a good question because I think that the, the most, you know, these, things that, these, these are like black swan events to some degree, right? I mean, the pandemics are model. People understand that they'll come, but you never know how they'll come, and you don't know sort of what form they'll take. And so the, I think the biggest effects that I've seen 
are people who have their who work in industries that are just severely affected. Yeah, and through no fault of their own, one day it's everything's great, and the next day, holy smoke, the world is just turned upside down. Right? I think financially, it's actually been interesting because the biggest effect I've seen in my practice is since fun has been canceled, and people do tend to spend a lot of money on fun, especially the type that are taking money out of retirement accounts because they're retirees. You know, people aren't spending money. The cash balances are actually building up, and, um, and we're putting money back in. We put the, a lot of the distributions back in. Um, also, if you look, I read articles in the Wall Street Journal, the life insurance industry reserved a whole lot of money for claims early, but because of the mortality of this particular pandemic, really affecting the elderly, uh, they have not sort of had the um, they have not had the uh, uh, the claims that they expected it's, because it's not deadly to at ages where people have the big term policies and have the employer policies and stuff like that. Now, obviously, there are some cases, but when you're dealing with life insurance, you're dealing with large large numbers. So, a couple of the ironies I said about COVID early and was that it was a health crisis that was really hard on the health sector because the hospitals shut down other than COVID, right, at least in our area, the Northeast. Right. That was really unexpected and shocking. Um, and uh, uh, and so, so the other one I would say is if you were going to be in a pandemic, the business that you might, you know, would be in if a, if a business was, if something was killing a lot of people, it would be good to be in a death-related business like being an undertaker, right? But I have a feeling due to the restrictions on gatherings that undertakers probably had a very, very hard time during the whole COVID thing as well. So it's just been a strange, crazy time. Um, and, but in uh, general, but, I mean, as you said, there's been a lot of surprises. People who thought they were doing yeah. well all of a sudden were not. Are there some financial planning yeah. lessons from that, like preparing for the unexpected uh, when people were running a restaurant and had to close or a small business that had to close or something like that? Are there some other broader financial planning lessons that people might have learned this year? Yeah, I think it's two things. I mean, I think one, you got to always have your cash reserve. You got to have reserves. You got to have access to, you got to have access to reserves if you're going to run out of your income, right? As soon as you can, you want to get assets built built up that can be turned into liquid to replace income if your income gets gone. If your business, I would think you want to have business interruption insurance. There's probably going to be a lot of claims on that, and there's probably going to be a lot of wrangling on that. Um, my big thing is, I think that you know the thing that you want to plan for is resilience. You got to be resilient because you don't know what's going to come. And so, human networks, I think, are very, very important. I think we are going to see on the backside of this a lot of people change careers, get into you know get into new careers, new jobs because they're forced to. Some will, some will be good, some will be bad. And the more people you know who will answer your phone call or now these days text or email, the better off you're going to be because that's really our true security is our is our networks, in my opinion, and our human capital. Right, being able to being able to have general skills and adjust and move. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is uh, Michael Lynch. His book is called Keep It Simple, Make It Big, Money Management for a Meaningful Life. You can find out more at his website, simpleandbig.com. We'll be back after this. Wish you were in early on some of the best-performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most important, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies going IPO, like Beyond Meat, 
or being bought out by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and generally comprehensive vetting of deals they decide to make part of their own portfolio. Once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers and review the current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. As we review deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team, who you can talk to directly on the phone about your personal investment goals. The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. Accredited investors can participate in a single company deal for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Blue Green Water Technologies, a startup that keeps our waters safe. Global water supplies are under attack from toxic algae blooms making water undrinkable. Blue Green's proprietary EPA-approved technology eliminates the toxic algae poisoning the world's water resources. You can get in early on Blue Green and other unique opportunities at the rcrowd.com slash answers website. If you're interested in investing, you need to join rcrowd. The rcrowd account is free, so just go to ourcrowcom slash answers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Michael Lynch, is author of a new book called Keep It Simple, Make It Big, Money Management for a Meaningful Life. You can find out more at his website, simpleandbig.com. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Well, thanks. Good to be back. Good to be back. Various areas you've, you've talked about I'd like to mention briefly. You talk about now is the time to refinance your mortgage. I mean, 30-year mortgage rates are below 3%. Have a lot of people still not done it? I mean, they've probably been asleep the last 10 years or so. Who is, who's yeah, left? I'm just surprised. You still, I still see some that are 5, some that are 4, 4 and a half. But, I, I mean, I do think that, you know, a few years ago we were back up in the fours and mid-fours, so this, the, the, the initial just bounce down, for the collapse, really created opportunities for people to, uh, to get it done, and I'm just shocked at how low some of the rates are. Yeah. You also talk about the uh, no more required minimum distributions that's been pushed out from age 70 and a half to 72. Uh, what should people do relating to uh, delaying their RMDs? Well, you know, if you need the money, take it and spend it. So, but if you don't need the money, then you can leave it in. Or one of the strategies that we do a lot is convert it to a Roth IRA. So sometimes people that don't need the money are going to be facing what I call a tax time bomb later. Uh, they're going to have to, the 72 comes, they're going to get forced money out of their accounts. It's going to move them up tax brackets, ca- cause them to pay more for Medicare. So we use that, we use a delayed RMD or the, the, the forgiven RMD as a way to convert that much, that money to a Roth IRA because you're not allowed to convert RMDs to Roth IRAs. You have to convert other funds. You also say it is important to convert pre-tax accounts such as a 401k or 457 plan into a Roth account. I guess you pay a tax on the time of conversion, but the advantage is going forward you're going to be tax-free. Is that the idea? Yes, the, there's, there can be a couple of advantages. Uh, not, they're not advantages for everybody, so it's one of the things really the numbers have to be crunched. But for people that are, are not going to, don't foresee themselves re- needing the money for themselves, and it happens. Believe me, it happens all the time. Now that money won't be forced out, so it continue to c- accumulate income tax-free. They won't have to take it out, pay higher taxes on it. And uh, what does it mean? It's not for them. It goes to the kids, charity, or something like that. But it does, it does help them out later on, pay less income tax over their lifetime. You talk about what you call the parking disease. Uh, This is not about cars. Describe what the parking disease is and what is the cure for the parking disease in financial planning terms. All right. So I got the parking disease from a car. I lived in San Francisco and you got a car, but then you you couldn't use it because if you lost your parking spot, you couldn't get it back. So the irony was you had a car, but you couldn't use your car. So why you have a car? Uh, with, with investments in taxable accounts, uh, it can be the very same thing. Uh, you can imagine having a stock that you purchased for $10 and it's now $100 a share. And so you've got that wealth, but you actually don't want to uh, sell the stock and use the money because, well, it's going to cause what? Capital gains and taxes. So one cure for the parking disease is using much maligned mutual funds because they will distribute um, they will distribute dividends and interest and, and capital gains every year. And while we don't like to pay it as we go, the fact is that it does move the cost basis up. So when it becomes time to spend the money, typically there's not 
that much tax due. So for also you want some low-cost basis shares, perhaps to give to kids, to charity, to die with. So it's not all or nothing, but it's just understanding how these things work, and you can use mutual funds to secure the parking disease for yourself, and it can make a difference in your life. One of the things that uh, President-elect Biden is talking about doing is eliminating the differential between capital gains tax rates, which are currently at top at 20%, and the regular income uh, marginal rate, which is currently at 37%. If that were to be done and all capital gains, no matter how long they were held, were taxed at the regular income rate, what impact would that have on people's finances and the markets? Well, so it's, I can't predict the market. It's just too hard. But I would think if you tax, if you, the more you tax something, the less you get of it. And so if you're going to tax transactions, you'll tend to get less. You, I would think a set of its pair of its all things equal, you're going to get fewer transactions. So you would see it's going to raise the value of tax deferral strategies. And tax deferral strategies, you know, is, you know, using annuities, uh, shilling the income. Uh, because if I'm going to pay ordinary income, on my capital gains, I might as well have an ordinary income asset where I can defer the taxes. So I think it will, it will it, depending on the contours of any such proposal and any way it gets in a law, people, self-interested people, which is just to say people with money, and people with money tend to like money, that's why they have the money, will find ways to minimize their exposure to these increased taxes. Do you think it would, in fact, impact liquidity of the markets? People would not sell as they might in the past because they don't want the higher capital gains uh, taxes or regular income rates on capital gains. Yeah, so I'm not technical enough to, to really be able to comment on something like the liquidity in the market. I would, I would guess if I had to bet, I would bet that there would be fewer transactions um, because it's gonna, the transaction potentially is going to cost more. Right? And more in tax, we have a bigger incentive to hold it. And I do think that it will shift where we, you know, strategies on how where we accumulate our money. I, for example, accumulate a fair amount of money inside of variable universal life insurance. Why? Because it's a big tax shelter for me, and I understand it. It's not something we do a lot uh, with 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 clients because it's complicated and and it can go bad. But these type of strategies will become more valuable as ta- if taxation is going to potentially take, you know, 45% to 50%. Think of somebody in California, 13% plus 37, half. <laughs> when people yep. are facing half, losing half, they either don't do something or they figure out a way around it. Yeah. One of the other things you talk about retirement is the shocking truth is that you will not run out of money. People say this is the biggest yes. thing they're worried about is living too long and running out of money. Why do you say that's not the case? Empirically, it's not. I mean, there's been longitudinal studies, and the people with the most money in America are the oldest. It makes sense. They've had it the longest, and compounding works on time, so that's pretty logical. Um, second, uh, if you look at people die with more money than they retire with, in, on average. And um, there's, been, there's a great study I cite in that article that you could dig into it and, and read it. It's, it's true. And the thing that tends to knock people out is a change of family status or mental issues. So I'm thinking, well, what's that? Well, change of family status is a spouse dying, right? Probably after a long, expensive illness. And what's a mental issue? Well, that's probably Alzheimer's. So it's paying rent, what I call paying rent in the wrong kind of hotel, a lot of long-term care. And I bet if we dug into it, 
we'd find that even if the change of family status was typically a spouse that had long, expensive nursing home care that's not covered by medical insurance, then passed, and that's what caused the, the portfolios to drop. In general, people, the, a lot of ink is spilled, oh, you're going to run out of money. People don't. They just don't. It's, it, empirically, they, they spend prudently. They look at their money as their wealth. They don't want to... Uh, they don't want to run it out. And even people that start retirement with pretty small amounts of money, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in that study, they, they used it as uh, emergency funds and stuff and they didn't they didn't run that out either. Yeah. You also have a perspective what you call know the enemy. Who is the enemy you were talking about? Know the enemy. What what was I talking about? Was I talking about taxes in that article? We were talking, talking about, about taxes inflation. indeed. Yes. Yeah, I was talking about I was talking about taxes. So, because a lot of times I also think inflation is a big enemy. So that's why I had to ask you that before I went and looked. So what I'll tell you is, no, then me on taxes. It's not what you earn; it's what you keep. That gets back to your question. If we were going to lose capital, see, right now capital gains taxation is very friendly to most Americans. People don't know this because they think our oh, taxes are bad. But if you're in the twelve percent tax bracket, which for a married couple can be, I think, almost up to $100,000 in pre-tax income. Your capital gains tax, your dividend tax is zero. Right. That's pretty cool, right? Right? So, but if we, so, so you want to know, you know, it, so if I'm a lower earner, I might want an account like that. might be better than even a pre-tax IRA that's going to later come out on me when I'm wealthier and have high, perhaps have higher income. So I think what you want to do, again, is really take not too much time, not to become a tax expert, but if you take just a few, I don't know, hours to understand your tax return, your relationship to the tax code, uh, then I think you can really, uh, you, you can game it out. And for most people, taxes are the enemy. Not, you know, I don't mind paying taxes. I really don't. And, um, and most people don't, but they don't want to pay more than they have to because they know a dollar in tax, they're going to get the same services regardless of what they pay. And a dollar in tax is a dollar that they can't put to something else. Indeed, very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Michael Lynch. Uh, he is a financial planner based in Shelton, Connecticut. Uh, his uh, website is simpleandbig.com, based on the book he did called Keep It Simple, Make It Big, Money Management for a Meaningful Life. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Lynch. He is the author of a new book called Keep It Simple, Make It Big, Money Management for a Meaningful Life. You can find out more about it at his website, simpleandbig.com. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Good to be back. You talk about old formulas colliding with a new reality. What do you mean by that? All right. Well, I love it. When I do a group, we, we, when I'm giving a group presentation, we can all fill in the blanks. The key to financial success is get a good job and keep it. Spend less than you earn, put the money in a safe place, and live off the interest, never touch the principal. That's the formula for financial success. And unfortunately, it doesn't work anymore. And the reason it doesn't work is because there's simply no interest. And this became clear to me. I had a, a woman come into my office. She was an immigrant. She worked in a factory her whole life. She had $2,000 in Social Security a month and a half a million dollars at the bank. And prior to, prior to the Great Recession, she was getting about... 2000 a month off that CD, off those, at that bank money. By the time she saw me, she was not getting 2000 a year. A year. So yeah. what's the problem? The problem is safety. We need to redefine safety. Uh, and one of the great ironies I say, I've written about this elsewhere, but it's not, I don't think it's up there, is it's a paradox. We live on the interest, not the principal. We live on the income, not the principal. But we spend all our time worrying about the principal. Right? So what should people so, do today? Yeah, I think when, we need to redefine safety. When income is so low on CDs and money, basically zero, are there other mm-hmm. alternatives that you recommend to retired people to, to earn decent income off their principal today? Yes, no, absolutely. I'm, I believe my approach as outlined in the book is I'm a total return diversified investor. So I'm a believer that, um, that what people need to do, subject to their ability to withstand ups and downs, is have a diversified portfolio that's really driven by equities because over time, equities increase at a rate greater than inflation about three, four times. The dividends increase at three, four times. And if you stay diversified and spread out, don't get too greedy, don't get too concentrated. It's amazing what will happen. And so, yes, we need safety. All people need three things, reliable income, safety of principle, and growth of that income. So the issue is what proportions for each person. If you go too much in one, too concentrated in two one, that's where you get into trouble. The example that I gave, Maria, I'll use that name, writing about her elsewhere, she was all in one place, safety of principle, and it wiped her out. It literally wiped out her retirement. Yeah. So another thing you talk about is paying as you go may be the best way to go. What do you mean by that? This is a fascinating study, and it was a study done about uh, the, the true cost of real estate, residential real estate, excuse me, and whether you, people were better off having rented or owning. And I looked at a diversity of markets, Kansas City, San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, Minneapolis, and Stanford, Connecticut. Also, because of the tax breaks, it looked at where people were in the individual, you know, with high income versus medium income versus lower income, right? And shockingly, what it found is with a couple of exceptions, and I believe uh, San Francisco was definitely one of those exceptions when I started my career, people were better off if they would have just rented because of all the costs of 
of owning. And one of the worst ones was one really close to me and I think close to you, Stanford, Connecticut. It was just terrible. And I know that because I you know, bought a house, didn't even buy it at the peak, owned it for 15 years, paid way over 100000 in taxes, and you know, sold it you know, after 15 years for far less than I had even paid for it. And you know, Fairfield County, Connecticut with water views. <laughs> so yeah. we're taught that we're dumb to rent, that we're throwing money away. And I think the point of this is you might not be dumb to rent. You're always paying to live. You're going to be paying maintenance. You're going to be paying taxes. You know, so you're never living for free. So the issue is, don't you know? You, for many, many people, it could make sense just simply to rent at least for a while. Yeah. You also talk about uh, health savings accounts, HSAs, as another way to accumulate money. Uh, for health expenses tax-free, what are the advantages of that? And probably a lot of people aren't too familiar with HSAs. Yeah, health savings accounts are new. They're absolutely the best thing in the tax code. But what I want to say is that it's first and foremost a financial instrument designed to help finance health care. So if the health care feature that goes with it doesn't work and you have a better option, take what's best for your health care. That said... What a health savings account is, is a investment account attached to a high deductible health plan in which you can, an individual can put money in. When they put the money in, it comes off of their income tax. So it's like a 401k. Even better, they don't pay FICA on it. They don't pay Social Security tax on it. Now, they don't get the credit for it either. So that could be a double-edged sword. When it grows, they don't pay tax. And when it comes out, as long as it comes out for a qualified medical expense, it comes out tax-free. It's triple tax-free. And so the way I encourage people to use these, and in fact, use it myself, is as a slush fund for healthcare expenses. When we start out in life, we're not going to have that many. Most people won't on average. Some do. But then as we get older, we know we're going to have them. And in fact, we can pay Medicare premiums out of here. So we know we can take it out tax-free in retirement. So the health savings account is a very, very, very flexible tool. They're getting more popular among uh, individuals. And what I find working with people is people may have the health insurance, but they don't know how to use a health savings account. And when I explain it to them, their, their, their eyes pop up, they get big, and they, like, they go to it hard. And they're like, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You have a section on your website. Uh, about uh, 10 questions to ask your financial advisor. We don't have time to go through all of them, but just in general, what are some things that people can do to get the right financial advisor for themselves? You know, I think the thing to do is you've got to have a good fit, and you have to understand the person with whom you're working. It is a long-term, year-over-year relationship if it's done properly. And so I like to say people need to use their head, and, you know, they need to use their head but trust their gut. So shop, you know, what people are saying to you needs to, it needs to make sense. Are the strategies they're talking about? Are they, are they listening? Is, a, is the advisor listening to you, meeting you where you are? Are they speaking in a lot of jargon? Um, so I, I think it's, a, like a, it's just a lot of common sense will we'll, we'll get you there. Yep. And how about fee-only planners versus fee-plus commission or asset management fees, the pros and cons of different kinds of financial advisors? Yeah, so every structure has a pro and a con to it. And, you know, you are, if you're working with an advisor, you're going to pay an advisor. That advisor is not going to be working for free. Some way, somehow, you're paying them. And different structures may be more appropriate. So I said, number one, you want to know how you're paying and sort of how much you're paying. 
personally, the, the fee only is very popular, but what does fee only mean? Does that mean it's an hourly rate? Does that mean it's a flat fee? Does that mean it's a, uh, they're, they're only taking fees on investments, but then they don't do advice and insurance in other areas? So uh, my practice I've structured is flat fees uh, for the advice, for the financial planning, for the annual planning, modest, easily to pay, and then both asset management fees and commissions on um, on products that, that are in the client's best interest that they need, right? And if we put that all together and everything's fully disclosed, it's a, it's a good package for everybody. You have it's, a whole not right for everybody. it's not right for everybody, you know? You got to do what you like. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a chapter on planning your final estate. Um, a lot of people think they don't really need to do estate planning because the exemptions are so high today. What are some people who are not worried about taxes, estate taxes, need to worry about in, in planning their final estate? You know, the big risk, I think, to middle-class wealth is a nursing home, at least in the area we are. I, like, I call it paying rent in the wrong kind of hotel. It can come up quick on you, and it's ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a month that's going out. So it, and that can very, very much uh, deplete a portfolio. And worse than that, if a person is married and uh, they're the first one to go, you may be leaving a spouse with, you know, a little bit over $100,000 a house and a car when you may have started with, you know, half a million to a million dollars. So that is the biggest risk. That risk needs to be thought through. In the old days, that risk could be addressed pretty easily with a $300 a month long-term care policy. That is no longer the case. Uh, so now what we need to do is we need to really think through asset ownership, trust, and just have a, the use of family, the use of the rules, the use of competent attorneys. And uh, what you want to do is have that plan in place prior to needing it. Not all the details, but just the acknowledgement that you may have to act because what costs people money is waiting too long to act, waiting too long to act. You mean qualifying for Medicaid, the kind of the planned impoverishment, as I like to call it. Is that what you're talking about as it far as be, asset? Yeah, for some people, it could be that, absolutely, at, at certain asset levels. Yeah. And others, it's just you want, to, you, want to have money to, you want to have money to fund the bill. Let me give you an example. I might look at an insurance policy now that's going to cost $12,000 a year. Well, we don't want to pay $12,000 a year, so we, and we run it against what an investment would produce. And we say, well, we'd be better off investing. So then, okay, well, let's actually make that investment. And now that money's there, right? Yeah. Now we've created the pool that if I'm 85, I've got the pool of money earmarked for that risk. And if I make it in account that the first taxes, I'm not going to pay taxes as we go. And then the risk itself is a medical event. So if I use that money on the way out that's taxable to pay a medical bill, I'm not going to pay taxes either. So it's, just, it's not always just Medicaid planning. But it is using trusts and, you know, having durable powers attorneys, healthcare directives, having the structure in place to be able to act when either you be able to act or somebody act on your behalf the way you want acted uh, when that time comes. In about a minute or so we have left, why don't kind of sum up what a difference it will make in people's financial lives to take the advice we've talked about as opposed to not? Well, I think, you know, the cliche is peace of mind. Another one I think would be empowerment. But it, it really is, you know, the, the, if you spend a little bit of time worrying about money, you actually don't need to worry about it that much once you get the things in place. So I think, you know, like planning a vacation. You're planning a good vacation. How long does it take? If people spent that much time just on their finances maybe once a year, 
they really put themselves ahead. And a, a general book like this, the concepts we talked about, your website, your radio show, you know, the, the kind of stuff that I put out there, just, just taking a little bit of time with that can really put people way ahead down the road. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Michael Lynch. His book is called Keep It Simple, Make It Big. Website related to that is simpleandbig.com. I think people learned a lot this last hour. So thanks very much for being on the Money Answer Show, Michael. Well, thank you for having me, Jordan. I really had a great time. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 